You're listening to In the Studio with Michael Card. The session is made possible by our friends with the Christian Standard Bible. Learn about this new translation and the many ways you can enjoy the CSB. Explore online when you visit csbible.com. Thanks for choosing to join us now here in the studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. How are you doing, Wayne? I'm doing fine. I know you've had your hands in the dirt planting flowers with Susan recently, so... That's right. I've been working in the garden. All right. All right. It's got to be a good thing. It is. Uh, I realize I'm going to be repeating myself, but I I also realize that some people may not have been listening to recent episodes of the podcast, maybe just Mm -hmm. plunked down on this one. Uh And we need to mention again that we are coming to the end of our production season for Mm -hmm. this podcast because you Mm -hmm. are... In a new season of your life, Mm -hmm. which means you're going to be teaching and writing, but not necessarily touring and doing music, right? Right. That's right. I mean, I I really have have determined. I've always I'm always suspicious of people who say the Lord told me, but the (laughs) Lord told me (laughs) that uh, yeah, the life is seasonal and uh, forty some odd years of you know hundred hundred fifty concerts a year and and uh, and got six grandchildren and a wife with a flower farm who needs a uh, slave. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I know the feeling because a number of years ago, I went through a, a, a transition, a life transition. And I, I remember very clearly, I felt like the Lord was directing those steps. Uh, yeah. And I, so I know what that's like. Yeah. And, and, and it really, it really is clear. And uh, I'm, in one sense, I feel like I got the well done for uh, what's gone, gone on before. And, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I'm I'm excited about this next season of life. I, I I attend a church here in this little town in Tennessee where we live, Fernvale, and I do Wednesday night Bible study, and I'm absolutely loving it. And the people in the class are so excited about the Word. Uh, I have a young man, uh, Jesse, who um, I, I can remember Bill Lane talking about how how exciting it was having you young men be part of. You know, and I thought I always used to think, "What what's up with that?" You know, who cares? And that now I know exactly what he's talking about. When to yeah. see the young people getting excited about the word and that yeah, cool, yeah, he just bought a new Bible and you know he's taking notes and and all that kind of stuff. I love that. All right, yeah. well, um, our next podcast will be our last one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm not quite prepared to. For that to happen, but I guess it's got to happen, huh? No, no tears, Wayne. No okay. tears. All right, I'll, I'll try to keep it together, Mike. <laughs> has, well, has has anybody figured out how many years we've been doing this? No one has. We don't know okay. when we started. Yeah, no, that's a bad sign. That's a sign that it's time for us to stop anyway. <laughs> all right, all right, and of course, our partner in crime on this whole thing has been Joe Carlson all these years mm-hmm. as well. And uh, we got to hear from Joe on this next podcast after this yes. one. So, okay, yeah. all right. I bet, Promise, I bet we Joe. can make. I bet we can make Joe cry. That'd be Joe. cool. Joe is nodding that he promises to join us on that last one. Hey, we're also grateful for the CSB Bible, and especially yeah. this month, the Holy Land Illustrated Bible by CSB. That's uh, They've been very generous in sponsoring this podcast and, uh, and offering been. our listeners that discount, which is going to continue through the whole rest of this year, all the way yeah. through 2023. They're so generous. And and it's, it's interesting that that's the Bible we're promoting because uh, most of these segments were recorded in Israel and different locations right. 
yep. have to do with the life of Jesus. So it all so it's all coming together. All the pieces of the puzzle are coming well, together. We're going to uh, feature some of that here in just a few moments. We're calling this program Seasons, Sufferings, and Cycles. The seasons we just talked about, your season. The mm-hmm. sufferings is uh, you talking about Job, teaching from mm-hmm. the book of Job coming up. We'll hear that in a moment. And the cycles is the cycle of discipleship you're teaching from Israel. So that's mm-hmm. all ahead on the program. Hey, thanks for your comments. Uh, please continue to write to Mike and let him know about his uh, influence, uh, uh, spiritual influence in your life through his music and writing. The uh, address is in the studio at michaelcard.com. Here's a note that came from John. I started hearing Michael's music on the radio as a college student in the early 80s. A few years later, when I was a seminary student, my wife and I went to our first Michael Card concert. We played Sleep Sound in Jesus and Come to the Cradle for our children's bedtimes. As a pastor, I've quoted Michael's lyrics and books in many sermons. In one church, a youth group would close meetings with singing, The Lord Bless You and Keep You. Oh, that's <laughs> Thanks cool. to God for the way he's worked through you over the years, Mike. May God bless you in the next season of your life and ministry. Mm, wow, what an encouragement. Yeah, indeed. All right. I'd love to hear from more of you in the studio at michaelcard.com. Okay, we're going to go now to a pre-recorded segment, uh, you teaching from the book of Job. Uh, but we're going to get there through a song that was recorded in Israel. Mm-hmm. Tell me about this. Well, the when, when I used to do the trips, we, we would uh, have teaching time, but would also sing hymns and sing songs together. And there are these great churches with echoes that are three and four seconds long. And I think when you hear this song, you'll hear we're in this massive, um, you know, church with the, with the, the voices echoing back and forth. And it really made for a meaningful trip. And one of the uh, tour participants led this praise yes. to the Lord. Let's listen. And then we'll hear from the book of Job. Praise to been drawn to the book of Job and and have always felt a burden to try to understand what in the world is going on in, in that book. There's so many different interpretations and uh, different perspectives on, on that wonderful novel, really is what it is, a novel of lament. And so, yeah, this, this song we're about to play is the first part of a whole suite of songs that come from the book of Job. We'll hear three of those uh, parts here mm-hmm. in the first half of our broadcast today. So we're starting with Job's story. The, the, right, the, the introduction. And, um, and this, we have a very special uh, instrumentalist uh, <laughs> who, um, at great expense, yeah, uh, right. <laughs> we, we got to come and play uh, the Hurdy Gurdy, uh, Mr. Wayne Shepherd. My old friend, the Hurdy Gurdy, yeah. always meets me here in the studio. <laughs> and uh, you've given me lesson after lesson on how to crank I, it. I know, so. and, and you did a great job. So I think the listeners will be very excited to hear uh, it, virtually an entire solo on the Hurdy Gurdy. More importantly than that, you are going to play the dulcimer on this one. Right, an Appalachian instrument, also a very old instrument. And you left out the most important accompanist of all here in the studio with us today. Right. Uh, my daughter, Kate, is going to play the boron, which is an uh, an Irish uh, percussion. 
instrument. All right, let's get started. This is the Job Suite. We begin with his story. Here's Michael Card. And decried the skin for skin and hide for hide. Strike down his flesh and he'll surely deny and confess that his praying has all been a lie. Mary will take him, the Holy One side. But you must spare his life, oh, my son shall not die. So Job was afflicted with terrible sores, sat down in the ashes to wait for the Lord, sat down in the ashes to wait for the Lord. And yet through it all, through the tears and pain, he worshipped his God, found no reason to blame. Wayne, that's the setup for the story of the rest of the book of Job, what happens in chapter 1. And if it's okay, I'll, I'll read yes, uh, part of that. please. Uh, there once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. And he employed many servants wonder why they didn't count them. <laughs> uh, he was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. Job's sons would take turns preparing feasts in their homes, and they would also invite their three sisters to celebrate with them. When these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, Perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. So... Job is a righteous man. There's nobody like him. Blameless, a man of complete integrity. Absolutely. And God's about to say the same thing. Uh, One day, the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser, Satan, came with them. 
Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Satan replied to the Lord, Yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and property. You've made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. All right, you may test him. The Lord said to Satan, Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. One day, when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them when the Sabaeans raided us. They stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I'm the only one who's escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with the news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with the news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. Suddenly, a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and all your children are dead. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground in worship. Mm. And he said, I came naked from my mother's womb. I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had. The Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. So in one chapter, this amazing story uh, is, is set up. I'm looking back here to the words from the Lord, all right, you may test him. Mm-hmm. I just sent a shiver down my spine when you read those words. Yeah, and I, I don't think Job's uh, situation is unique at all, Wayne. Um, I remember when um, Jesus came to Peter and he says, um, Satan has asked to mm-hmm. sift you like wheat. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Job's experience is unique at all. I think... Uh, I don't know exactly how something like this works, but I think this process of Satan, who is the accuser, stands before the throne. He accuses you and me, mm-hmm. and uh, God, who is uh, uh, over all, who is Lord of all the universe, uh, uh, says, okay, uh, I'll allow this, but this I won't allow. And that's why I think later on God can say we'll never be tested beyond what we're able to bear because because he is in control mm-hmm. and he sets boundaries. As we've said, you've written much about lament in this new book. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what Job does here next. Yep. It, the, the rest of this book is a novel on lament. And the, the the important thing, I think, to get from this first chapter is when Job hears this horrible news, He's everything a person can lose, he's lost. Uh, and he's about to lose his health. That happens in chapter 2. But what does he do? He falls down and he worships. And that's a kind of worship that I, when I read this book, uh, that's a kind of worship I realize I know nothing about. And I think virtually the the whole American church yeah. knows nothing about. I think you've uh, captured the, the emotion of all this well in this song mm-hmm. that uh, is part of the Job suite we're going mm-hmm. to hear now. This is the lament portion. Right. Uh, the rest of the book is... Um, uh, 
Job lamenting and being interrupted by his friends who who are, who continually tell him you shouldn't talk to God like that. And I think uh, those of us uh, today who try to lament will find plenty of people who come to us and say, you know, you shouldn't pray like right. that. Yeah, get and, over it. And in fact, our email, uh, you know, I shouldn't. Uh, the the emailer said, uh, you know, I know I shouldn't think this way, or mm-hmm. I know, you know, it's not good to tell God these things. Well, she's been listening, I think, to some people like Job's friends. Yeah. But the truth is, uh, we are, and the Bible uh, encourages us, actually the Bible commands us to offer our our, uh, our disappointment, our despair, our grief, um, our confusion, even our anger, even our hatred, Wayne. Mm-hmm. The hatred we have for our enemies, uh, the Bible commands us, encourages us to offer that up to God as an act of worship. Incredible. Yeah. Well, let's pause the conversation long enough for you to sing about yeah. Job's lament here in the studio. Again, Michael Card. A throne of ashes, a crown of pain, a sovereign of sorrow, a mournful rain. May the day of my birth be remembered no more. May darkness and shadow come claim it once more. Why did I not perish on that dreadful day and sleep now where kings and counselors lay? What I dreaded most is now come upon me. Why is light given those in misery? I loathe my own life so my tears fall like rain As I find that there is no peace in my pain Lord, send a comforter now to my door So that this terror will frighten no more A counselor between us of mine are no comfort to me so deftly they listen so blindly they see their words and their doctrine they all sound so true the problem is Lord they're all wrong about you To plead with God as a man pleads for his friend. If I've been untrue, if I've robbed the poor, if I'm without guilt, then what am I suffering for? God would not crush me for some secret sin. And though he slay me, still I'll trust in him. I know now that my Redeemer's alive. He'll stand on the earth on the day he arrives. And though my body by then is no more, yet in my flesh I know I'll see the 
Job's expression of utter trust and confidence in God. Mm. Michael, how long since you've sung that? You just did it here in the studio for us. Well, the song was written probably 15 years ago uh, in uh, a collection of songs from the Wisdom Writings. The Job Suite, yeah. yeah. And... Um, yeah, but it still comes back. You, especially like I said before, when you're processing again, you know what this book means, and uh, and I've I've discovered. I guess maybe part of it's just being older. Maybe part of it's uh, trying to understand Job in the context of uh, events like nine eleven and the tsunami, where um, you do have you you said before utter confidence in God. But what happens is that has been shaken uh, to its very foundations. Right. Yeah. And uh, and so what Job does is is his um, his confusion. I mean, you've got two choices, Wayne. You can turn and walk away, denial, or or you can go back to God and say, I'm, I'm, I'm angry with you. I'm confused that you would allow this to happen. Hmm. And in Job's particular case, Job says, you know, I haven't done anything to deserve this. Job is really a lot a book about innocent suffering, and the only thing his friends uh, can say is, "You must have done something wrong. You mm-hmm. must have some, done something to deserve this." Mm-hmm. And and a lot of people forget in the in the opening chapter of the book, God Himself says, <laughs> "Job's a righteous man." <laughs> so that's the dilemma that uh, Job is lamenting, and it's a powerful dilemma. I think all of us are caught up in. Yeah. Uh, just hearing you sing that just now, though, and knowing that it's been a number of years since you've sung that, I mean. You did it right here in the studio with mm-hmm. with such you know personal conviction and mm-hmm. passion that uh, I, I know it comes from the fact that you've lived with this and you've, you're maturing in this yourself. Well, I don't know if I'm maturing, but it's definitely something that's come back to me again. Right, right. And uh, and um, lament really is a lost language. Yeah. Um, and so much of the Bible is about lament. Uh, most numerically, there are more psalms of lament than any other kind of psalm. And in America, we read right past those, and so we don't uh, we don't benefit from. Uh, I think we the say, Bible. isn't isn't it nice that uh, in the case of David, for instance, in the Psalms, isn't it nice that that David is being honest with God, you know? And then we march right yeah. on, and we don't uh, we don't incorporate yeah. that. Well, and we never we never uh, realize that maybe that's a call for us to be honest with God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and and the stupidest person to pretend in front of <laughs> is God. I mean, the the you know the dumbest thing in the world is try is to try to hide how you really feel from God. Stop and think about that. Yeah. yeah. And then. And of course, you've got the friends that uh, yeah. come into the picture here. Now we won't go into an in-depth Bible study about that right no. now, but yeah. But Job's friends are are. Um, the, the, I think the big mystery is how is it that they came and for seven days sat with him and and did said nothing, which which is the best thing they did mm-hmm. until they opened their mouths. <laughs> that's, that's when they got in trouble. <laughs> yeah, right. They were fine until they opened their mouth. <laughs> but I think uh, a lot of times when we look on the suffering of other people, especially when it it appears to be innocent suffering. Um, we have to deal with. I think they they were trying to deal with it as much for themselves as they were uh, trying to sort of diagnose mm-hmm. Job's problem. Mm-hmm. And they have one equation, Wayne, and it's it's an equation that we all naturally fall back on, and that is, if I'm good, God will bless me. If I'm bad, God will curse me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's this very uh, mm-hmm. primitive, elemental way of understanding who God is. And the corollary to that equation is that you must have done something wrong. Yeah, you've, that's that's the only that's the only thing that can possibly be on the other side of the equal sign. But Job, the wonderful thing about Job is he he realizes precisely in the midst of his suffering that that equation is incomplete. It's not wrong, but it's incomplete. And so three times, and for me, this is really the glorious part of the Book of Job. 
three times when Job realizes, you know, there's something else that I need besides the equation because he's done it all. He's mm-hmm. been good. He's done given sacrifices for his children just in case they sin. He's that sort of person. Mm-hmm. But what Job realizes three times, he realizes, first of all, you know, I need an advocate. Mm-hmm. I need an intercessor. In a beautiful image, he says, uh, I need someone who can stand between me and God and put a hand on both of us. And wonderful image of Jesus, because that's the missing part of the equation, because it's more than if I'm good, God blesses me, because uh, I'll never be good enough, right? And so Jesus is there in the book of Job in, in, a, in a powerful way. We're going to ask you to sing about God's response. This is, again, this is very powerful, and I want mm-hmm. listeners to key in carefully to the lyric yeah and what i want the listeners to understand is this is the miracle of the book of job the miracle of the book of job is the that the god who is on his throne in chapter two comes down Hmm. in chapter 38 Uh, the movement of god from heaven into job's situation that's the miracle because job all along uh has has um clung to this belief that our god is the god who is really moved by our tears and the miracle is that God is moved by our tears, and he shows up. And um, Amen. Yeah. Wow. He's there. Well, Michael, let's listen as you sing God's response, God speaks, and then Job's response. Who is it that darkens my counsel? Who speaks empty words without knowledge? Brace yourself up like a man. And answer me now if you can Can you put on glory and splendor? What's the way to the home of the light? Does your voice sound like the thunder? Are you afraid? Where were you when earth's foundations were laid? Who gave the heart its wisdom, the mind its desire to know? Can you bind the stars, raise your voice to the clouds? Did you make the eagle proud? Spend the night by your manger Did you let the wild donkey go free? Can you take Leviathan home as a pet? If you merely touched him, you'd never forget So who is it that darkens my counsel? Who speaks empty words without knowledge? Brace yourself up like a man And answer me now if you can I am unworthy 
How can I reply? There's nothing that you cannot do. You are the storm that calmed my soul. I place my hand over my mouth. I place my hand over. Glad we got to hear that following Michael's teaching from the book of Job. Coming up in the second half, we'll hear more of Michael's teaching recorded in Israel and music recorded in Israel as well. This is In the Studio with Michael Card. I'm so glad the Holy Land Illustrated Bible is this month's featured resource. I spent a lot of time traveling throughout Israel and I learn new things about the life situation of the scriptures every time I go. This Bible edition reminds me of where I've been in Israel, and I hope it'll make the scriptures come alive for you too. Search for Holy Land Illustrated Bible at csbible.com and read more about this unique study tool. When you order, apply your 40% discount on the CSB purchase through LifeWay. Type CARD40 with caps, no spaces, in the promotion code for your 40% discount with LifeWay. The Holy Land Illustrated Bible is packed with hundreds of pictures, articles, maps, and illustrations that will bring the ancient world to life. Dig deep into the text as you discover the meaning and message of God's Word to you today. I hope you take advantage of this beautiful and well-thought-out study edition of the Bible. Search for Holy Land Illustrated Bible now at csbible.com. Glad you're continuing with us here in the studio with Michael Card. In a moment, we're going to hear Michael's teaching, The Cycle of Discipleship, recorded by the Sea of Galilee. I wish yeah. I wish I'd been there, Mike. That sounds oh, man. incredible. It is. It uh, was. All right. Well, we're going to hear the audio portion of that coming up in a few moments, as well as a song recorded in Israel. So stay tuned for that. But I want to read another of these emails. This has been so uh, encouraging to get, I'm sure, encouraging for you and oh, encouraging yeah, for hugely. all of us. To see how God has used you all these years, Mike. Uh, Greg wrote to you and said, I first came to know of your music in 1986 at the age of 16. My youth pastor challenged me to listen to the Scandalon album. At that time, I was deep into secular rock. The moment I listened to your music, God spoke to my heart like never before. It mm. wasn't long after that I surrendered my life to Christ and a few years later enrolled in seminary. Wow. Your music and your teachings have been a part of my life for all these 30-plus years. It has met me in both difficult times and joyous times. It Mm. has enhanced my parenting and my preaching. Perhaps the greatest blessing has been passing your music and your teaching on to my boys. One of my sons in particular enjoys listening to your music and sharing it with all his seminary friends. (laughs) Wow. Thanks for sharing your gift of music and the biblical insight with so many. We'll be praying for you and your family in this new season. Wow. So his son's in seminary too now. Way to go. Yep, yep, yep. And the music lives on, of course. So yeah. that's uh, that's very gratifying to hear. I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. So so much. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go to our next segment now. As I said, you're going to be teaching on the cycle of discipleship. But we begin with this song recorded in Bethany, Israel. Michael Card in the wilderness. In the wilderness. In the wilderness. 
to give uh, give you something uh, that's very precious to me. I, I, I talk a lot about Bill Lane. I know that. I had one lady complain to me. She said, it sounds like I should be asking Bill Lane into my heart. You, sh- you should stop talking about him so much. And, uh, of course, I'm not going to do that. We should honor the people that have poured into our lives like that. And I would not be here if it wasn't for him. I would have not written the first song if it wasn't for Bill. Bill walks to me in church one day, and he says, You play the guitar, don't you, Mr. Card? I said, Yes, but guitars were for attracting girls in college. (laughs) He said, Here's my sermon for next week. Write us a chorus. And I would have never written music if it wasn't for Dr. Lane. So, uh, But this is precious to me because this is the last thing he sort of discovered before he died. Right up until uh, he died, March 7th, 1999. Uh, he was seeing new things in Scripture, and Mark was really his book. And uh, he was always listening for structure and looking for you know new things. And this was the last new thing he he, he saw, and it's uh, it's fairly simple. And um, so I just kind of want to give you this little gift because it's a very precious gift uh, to me. It comes from reading large blocks of Scripture, and that's one thing we. We're not encouraged to do enough. Sometimes to understand one verse, like Exodus 34, uh, where, where, uh, where, where God tells Moses who he is, you really need to read about the first 15 chapters before you get to that verse, and then you understand that verse. Uh, and this, this uh, cycle of discipleship is what Bill called it. 
it's really it takes three chapters to see this and so I encourage you we think it's really spiritual to meditate for a long time on one verse and then roll over and go to sleep that's not necessarily so I mean read big blocks read whole books um, and so this this uh, this is an, an answer to the question uh, how does Jesus disciple his disciples uh, because yes he's he's preaching and he's teaching and he's healing and he's doing his thing but the other thing he's doing is he's actively discipling them so let me just run through this uh structure and uh and see if it makes sense to you it starts in mark three thirteen, where jesus calls them uh he he calls them and he des- designates them apostles and almost certainly not the word he would have used he would have used the word the hebrew word sheliach which is an authoritative representative it's a person who I, I pass my authority on to, uh, what that person says, it's as if I were saying it. If they make, a, a, for example, a business uh, deal in my name, I'm bound to the, the, the agreements that they make for me. So it's, a, it's an authoritative representative, and that they confer that on him. But then what happens is he begins to, to, to disciple them, and the wonderful structure is the statement begins, or the, the structure ends, <laughs> it begins and ends, with the same statement. Uh, it happens in 3.20, and it happens in 5.31. And the statement is, so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat. So that's the context. And, and you know, we've talked about this before. Mark, which is Peter's gospel, Mark is very interested in the fact that from the very first verse, in, a, in essence, the ministry sort of out of control. By that I mean Jesus is covered up with people. He has to go to the wilderness uh, or jump you know, jump in a boat and go across to the other side of the lake. So after he calls them, he begins to disciple them. And Bill gave five sections. I won't give you all five, but uh, let, let's look at, at, at what Jesus does. The first section is uh, 320 through 35. And this is where Jesus takes his disciples into a very various situations. And Mark always notes that the disciples are with Jesus. And the first situation he takes them uh, into is conflict. And the conflict is with his own family, and uh, the conflict is with the biblical scholars uh, from Jerusalem. Uh, David said, you know, we have these investigative committees of, of Pharisees who come from Judea to investigate and find out what he's doing. So in, in verse 20, uh, the conflict is with his family. His mother and brothers are uh, convinced that he's out of his mind, and they've come to take him away from the presence of the crowd. That's, that's 3.20. And the very next verse after that passage uh, the biblical scholars determined that he's demon-possessed. Um, and so his disciples see Jesus uh, dealing with this conflict, because guess what? What sort of conflicts are they going to have? What are their families going to say about them? Right? You're following a carpenter from Nazareth? You say he's the Son of God? You're out of your mind. So Mark wants you to know you're not going to experience anything Jesus hasn't experienced. Your family thinks you're crazy? Guess what? Jesus' own family uh, you're accused of demon possession or, or doing things uh, by Beelzebub. So was Jesus in, in Mark. Uh, and it makes an enormous, and this is Bill, uh, let me quote Bill. It makes this enormous amount of difference whether you face conflict with Jesus or on your own power. So as he's actively, he calls us, he, and then he takes us into this period of, of, of discipling. Uh, then there's a, there's a parable section. Bill said that was... Uh, Jesus really being mentor. That's uh, 4, 1 through 35, tells the seed parables and that sort of thing. We won't look at that. The next block is uh, 4, 35 through 520, 
And that's where Jesus is in conflict with the demonic. So he's in conflict with his families. He's in conflict with the religious leaders. And now he's, he's in conflict with the demonic. And the first story is, is the storm on the Sea of Galilee. That's like right behind me, Nate. And Bill, Bill portrayed that, uh, that storm as really a demonic attack. Jesus says to the storm what he says to demons. He says, be muzzled. And he linked, we talked about this the other night, he linked the story of the storm with the story of the gathering demoniac. Those are, those, those are that's one story uh, in, in essence. Um, so um, so he, he shows his power over the demonic storm, and then very graphically he shows his, his power over uh, the demonized man, who, by the way, begs to go with Jesus, but remember, he's not been called. He's not being discipled, and Jesus doesn't accept volunteers. He calls uh he calls disciples. So conflict with family, conflict with religious leaders, conflict with um, the demonic. And once again, it makes an enormous amount of difference if you face conflict uh, with Jesus or whether you face it uh, on your own power. The next one is 521 through 43, and that's Jesus uh, in conflict with disease and death. And that happens like right over here and uh, where we'll be going later on uh, today. And the first is the woman with the issue of blood. Uh, David, I think you'll teach, you'll teach on that the more the details of the, the touching of the fringe and all that kind of stuff. So I won't go into the details here, but um, uh, Jesus is in conflict with disease and death, the disease of the woman who touches him and is immediately healed, and then uh, the healing of uh, Jairus' daughter. And that's 522. And notice even then, when he, when he raises the little girl from the dead, he takes Peter and James and John with him. Why does he take them with him? Because he's discipling them. They need to see what, what's happening, because in the weeks and months to come, they're going to be doing these things. And, and once again, it makes an enormous amount of difference whether you face disease and death with Jesus or whether you try to face it on your own uh, power. Um, 6, 1 through 6. Uh, Jesus uh, experiences personal rejection. Let's take the time to read that one. Um, this is six one. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. See, they are with him, and Mark wants you to know that because he's discipling them. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that's been given him? He even does miracles. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? And the brother of, here's, here's the names of his brothers, by the way. James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. So we have conflict with, uh, uh, rejection by his family, conflict with religious leaders, conflict with disease and death, um, and now personal rejection by his own, uh, his, the people from his own uh, hometown. And Jesus said, only in his hometown, among his relatives in his own house, is a prophet without honor. He could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people. And he, and, and he was amazed at their lack of faith. Um, so finally, so that's him discipling his disciples. And then what happens in 6-7 is he commissions them to... Uh, to go out and do his work. So 6-7 is the commissioning of the disciples. Um, then, Jesus, um, then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He sent them out two by two 
gave them authority. That's that Sheliak business. He, they go in his authority. They're speaking his, his word, not their word. They're doing his work, not their works, right? Because they are his Sheliakim. They are his authoritative representatives. So he gives them the, his authority over evil, evil spirits. And here's, in, here's his instruction. This is the first sending. Uh, take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Um, wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Wherever you enter a house, he's assuming, and this is Jewish hospitality, they're going to be staying in Jewish homes, right? When he sends them out uh, in, into the broader world, he's going to say, remember the first time I sent you out, told you not to take any money? Take money. Take a coat. And if you don't have a sword, sell your coat and buy one because they're going outside sort of the realm of that, that protection of Jewish hospitality, which is mandatory. If I knock on your door in the middle of the night, you've got to take me in. I may, you know, may not make it out there. So whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet as you leave, which is a sign of judgment against them. And here, here, here's what they do. They went, out, they went out and preached Jesus' word. Uh, that people should repent, and they drove out many demons and anointed the sick. Jesus' work. That's what we're called to do, spread his word and uh, to do his work. Here's, here's one of the most uh, important ones. After they've been on mission, uh, they report back. And a lot of people don't. Um, this is uh, six. There's not, I can't read the numbers in this little Bible. 630. The apostles, and this is the first time they're called that, the sent ones. The sent ones gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and all they had taught. See? The work of Jesus and the word of Jesus. So this, this idea of reporting back, why do I report back? Because I'm under his authority. I'm not doing my own thing, right? And as silly as it sounds, a lot of times when I'm on the road, when I used to be on the road more, at the end of the day, when I would pray, I'd say, okay, this is what I did today. It's not like he needs the information or I need to check in. But we're under his authority and we need to report back. These are all the things I said. These are all the things I did. So they report back and they tell him everything they've done. And here's the bookend. Then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, Jesus says, let's go to the other side and get some rest. And, and they go to the other side and there's 5,000 people waiting for them. So they don't get much rest. So uh, let me let me read the conclusion. Um, th- this is a cycle. He calls them. He disciples them. They're sent out. They do the mission, and they come back and report. And the the, the question is, where are you in this cycle? Some of you young younger th- th- those of us who are younger here, maybe you've just sensed that Jesus is calling you. And, and you need to hear him say, now come learn with me. Come be discipled by Jesus, right? Go through conflict. Go through disease and death. See, see his power over those things. So if, if, you're in that, if you're in stage one, the question is, how long have you been there? And isn't it time for you to move into stage two? And some of us may be in stage two. You, you've been studying. You've been men, being mentored by Jesus. Maybe you're in seminary or you're some sort of intensive period of study to, to get you ready to go out and, and, uh, and minister. The question is, how long have you been in that stage? And maybe is it time for you to hear Jesus say, now go speak my word and do my work, right? How long have you been in stage two? 
How about, how about stage three? My guess is most of us are in stage three, right? We've been doing his work. We've been as best we can as he enables us. And then we've been, we've been uh, speaking his word. How long have you been in stage two? Maybe is it time for you to hear Jesus say, now come to a quiet place with me and get some rest, right? Learn of me in new ways and then be prepared to be sent out again because it really is cyclical. So um, I think that's my prayer for, 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 uh, for us, at least today. So maybe we'll get a sense of where we are in that in terms of uh, where, where are we in this cycle? Do I need to hear Jesus say, come with me to a quiet place and get some rest? And maybe that's why you're here. That's kind of why I'm here. Okay. It is hard to describe the experience of being in Israel in, uh, in uh, a location like uh, you know where the Pool of Bethsaida was, where Jesus healed the the man who was lame. Um, so, so you're in a location and you're looking at content that's biblical and specifically content that has to do with the life of Jesus, and you're with a community of people who've gotten close over a week or ten days, and you're singing. So it's like, you know, music and content and location, and it all comes together in this beautiful, um, beautiful experience. I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss that, and I'm so thankful that we've been able to reproduce that for you somewhat uh, on this program and remembering what it was like to be in Israel and uh, all of us together, uh, every all these people who love Jesus singing songs together in these beautiful places and and listening to his word. Uh, it's just a wonderful time. Holy, holy, holy. 
If this hour has been used by the Lord to encourage a renewed desire to live out your faith, we hope you'll let us know. There's several ways to do this. Post a review of this podcast, pass along the link to a friend, or email your reactions when you write in the studio at michaelcard.com. We look forward to reading your email in the studio at michaelcard.com. And stay current with Michael's ministry and interact with other listeners when you check out the Michael Card Music Facebook page. We're excited about the partnership with our sponsors at the Christian Standard Bible. Visit csbible.com. The Bible is the foundation of all we do in this podcast, and we're happy to point you to the many ways you can read and study with this fresh translation in your hands. Explore all that's available for you and use the 40% discount on CSB purchases at Lifeway. Use the promotion code CARD40. Just type CARD40 with no spaces for your 40% discount. Choose a copy that fits your needs online at csbible.com. Now for Ron Davis, Susan Sermon, Lance Mansfield, and our producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for sitting in on this session in the studio with Michael Carr.